Who you got tonight? I got Jesus, so extra question there. Hey, you got a Bible, uh, Luke chapter 5. Um, we are closing in towards the end um, of this series called Called Out, Choosing Calling Over Comfort. And we've started out this series, um, or throughout the whole series, we've been talking about the fact that Jesus is calling us um, from ordinary to extraordinary, that he's going to take us from where we are to where we need to be where he wants us to be, whether it's in good times or bad times, he's constantly going to be calling out to us and wanting us to take next steps so we can be conformed more to his image, to to become more like him. For the past few weeks, um, we've been talking about Peter, and we've been watching as Jesus takes Peter on this journey. Remember, he he invited Peter to come along with him, and and we said the, 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 the key to this entire series, if there was a a theme. It was that Peter made himself what? Anybody remember? Available, right? He made himself available. And, and, and as, as he made himself available to Jesus, here's what's crazy. He didn't know who Jesus was. He didn't know anything about theology. He didn't know that, that Jesus was the Son of God. He just said, I, I, think, I, can, I think I can trust this guy. And Peter, Peter is coming back from fishing one night, and he hadn't caught anything. And Jesus gets into Peter's boat because a crowd had formed and he wants to teach. And so he gets in his boat and he, he pushes out and he teaches. And, and Peter is probably in awe at the teaching. He probably, he, he probably thought, man, this guy, this guy can speak, man. This guy can, this guy can throw down. And Jesus turns to him and says, hey, push out a little bit farther and let's, let's put down the nets for a catch. And remember we talked about a few weeks ago how, how Peter was probably like, dude, there's, there's no fish, man. I fished all night. There's, there's nothing here. And, and Jesus just in, invites him to let down those nets for a catch, and, and, and he puts them down, and he says, because you say so, I will. I don't know everything about you. I don't know what's going on. I, I, I know fishing. I don't, I don't know you, but, but hey, because you say so, I will. And they catch all of these fish, and they have to call out another boat. The other boat comes out, and they fill it up with all those fish. And, and Peter looks at him, and he says, go away from me, because I'm a, I'm a sinful man. Like, hey, there's, there's something about you that is, that is godly. There's something about you that is, that, that, is, that is righteous. There's something about you that is holy. And, and I, I just don't even, don't even be near me. Like, what you're doing, how you're speaking to people, the, the catching the fish, like, I, I can't even be around you because I'm going to mess you up. I'm a, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus says, hey, don't worry about that. Just follow me. Just follow me. Follow me, and I will take care of the rest. Follow me, and I will make you fisher, a fisher of men. Follow, follow me, and, and, and we're going to change the world. And then last week, we, we talked about Jesus always leads us to, to unsafe unpredictable places, to be around unsafe, unpredictable people. We talked about the leper last week. Remember the leper? What did we call him? We said his name was what? Larry. You remember that. How we called him Frank the leper, you wouldn't remember. But because we use Larry, you remember that. And we ended the message by saying, hey, no matter what we're going through, no matter the situation, again, in good times or bad, we, we need to be willing to not only just make ourselves available to when Jesus calls, not only be able to say, because you say so, I will, but, but on the other side of that, we need to be willing to call out to Jesus. For every single area of our lives, we need to call out to Jesus. 
And so that's where we're going to pick up the story this week. We're going to pick up right after it happens at the leper, right? So if, if you missed last week, go online. It's kind of important as to what the, the story of the leper and, and to what's happening this week. Um, let me set this message up like this. Years ago, uh, my family went on vacation. And uh, my family, uh, Mary, Chloe, and Jaira, thought it'd be a great idea to go zip lining. Now, zip lining is cool unless you're afraid of heights. <laughs> so I didn't want to go. I'm like arguing with them. I'm like, hey, man, there's, there's go-karts, and, and we can go to a movie. There are magic shows in the area. Like, we can do all of these things. And, and they're like, no, we want to go zip lining. We're going to go zip. And I'm like, Jairus too little to go zip lining. We can't. They're Googling it. Like, no, he can go. He makes the weight thing, and he, he, he'll put 40 rocks in his pockets, whatever he has to do. Like, we want to go zip lining. I'm like, I don't want to go zip lining. We're not going to go zip lining. We're going to go to this. There's this steakhouse, and we can go over here, and we can do this. And they're going back and forth, and, and Mary's involved and she's like hey we're gonna go zip lining so we compromised and went zip lining um and uh i remember we, we go to the zip lining place i'm miserable right because i don't i don't want a zip line and they put this harness on you if you've ever been before you know and and if you're a guy the harness that they put on is incredibly uncomfortable it is ladies i don't know if it's uncomfortable for you but it's uncomfortable it's not, it's not right. It's kind of heavy and it's awkward. And you have to walk 300,000 steps to get to the top of this tower. There's not an elevator that takes you up there. You're going to truck your fat butt all the way up all of these steps. And, and, and so we get up there. And when you get up, they, they attach your harness to this line. And, and they tell you this. This is, this is the rule of zip lining. Hold on to the rope. Don't let go of the rope. Cool. I wasn't even thinking about it. Like, I'm all the way up in the air. You tell me not to let go of the rope. I'm not going to let go of the rope. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to stand right here and watch my family zip line from tower to tower. I don't know how I'm getting back down, but it's not going to be by zip lining. And so, so I'm standing there. Literally, they're like, dude, you have to go. They're like two towers in front of you. You can't stay here anymore. Like, how can you be this big of a guy and be this scared? There's nothing wrong. Nothing's going to happen. And so eventually I go, and, I, and, and we're, we're ziplining from tower to tower. Everybody loved it. Everyone in my family loved it, except for me. I was terrified. I wouldn't let go of the rope. I'm not looking down. I just wanted it to be over. Mary and Chloe and Jaira are having a great time. They're laughing. They're so comfortable with doing this that by the end, this is what they're doing. There's Jaira, all right? He's, look at him. No, 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 wait. This is the beginning stages. Next is Chloe. So she's getting, she's, both of them were getting set up to do this right here. That's my wife. Upside down with no hands. Having the greatest time. Look at that smile. Greatest time in the world. Here's me. They're yelling, they're screaming, they're telling me, let go, let go. Jairus talking all this smack, let go, sissy. I ain't letting go. I couldn't do it. I wanted to. I was like, I, I, I think at one time I went like this, you know, like, I just couldn't do it. I was so afraid. And they were making, I mean, afterwards they're making fun of me. They're talking about how awesome it was to be upside down. They're talking about it felt like flying. Jairus like, I was like an eagle. And he's going through this whole, I mean, they, they were just, they were so excited. They talked about it for hours, talking about how awesome it was to be free and to fly through the air like that. And I remember thinking that night, and, and even the other day when I was looking at these pictures, 
to put this illustration together. What did I miss out on? Like they were so excited. They were so happy. That brought them so much joy. Because I was afraid to let go, what experience did I miss out on? You know what? In my life, I've missed out on so many opportunities because I refuse to let go of the rope. Because for me, the rope represents security. For me, the rope represents safety. For, For me, honestly, the rope represents control. Really, that's what it is. It's control for me. And so how many things have I missed out on? How many things have we missed out on? How many times have we missed out on on, on something amazing for ourselves or for somebody else because we won't let go of the rope? Keep that metaphor in mind because I'm going to come back to that here in a little bit. Let's look at this this Bible story. Luke chapter 5, verse 17 says this. One day Jesus was teaching. This is after immediately healing the leper, right? The leper story happens and we're diving right into this. One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. Now let's stop. Let's, let, me, let me say this. This is the first time in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus encounters the Pharisees. Pharisees are really, 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 say really, 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 really righteous people. Um, in their mind, there weren't just Ten Commandments. They followed the Ten Commandments, right? They're Ten Commandments. We know those. We have those today, and we talk about those. But, but there weren't just Ten Commandments. There were hundreds. Because, see, the Pharisees made up extra commandments, extra rules on top of the commandments, so they wouldn't even come close to breaking any one of the Ten Commandments. And, and so the Pharisees were really, 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 really righteous people. Really, in their minds, they were morally upright people. And this is the first time that we see them in the Bible. The Bible says right here that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. And and so what's happening is, is that these guys show up to hear Jesus. All right? Now, this gets a little bit strange. I want to show you this. They had come from every village of Galilee, which that's not really strange. And that's really not unbelievable because Jesus at this time, when this story is happening, he's in Galilee. And so basically they had heard about Jesus and, and they come from that region to hear Jesus speak. So right, that's believable. Then the next part says, and from Judea, which is a little bit further out, but it's, but it's still believable that they would have heard of Jesus, and they're going to come, and they're going to check things out. Here's the, here's the strange part, and this is, this is, where, this is where it gets kind of skeptical a little bit, unless you, unless you really know the whole thing. And Jerusalem, from Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Now, for years and years and years, I missed those two words, from Jerusalem, in the text. But it's a huge deal. And and let me tell you why. Jerusalem was between a five- and seven-day walk from where Jesus was. Between five and seven days. Most people believe it was seven days. So we're going to go with seven. All right? Seven days. I'm going to be very honest with you. There are very few things in the world I would walk seven days for. How, How about you? Like, I ain't walking half a day for most things. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not walking seven days to go anywhere. But the Bible says that the Pharisees walked from Jerusalem for essentially seven days, seven, to get near Jesus. Now, here's my question. Why? Why did they do that? How did they even know? I mean, seven days away, how did they even, how did they even know where he was? I mean, why would they go? How did they hear about it? Jesus didn't have social media back then, which would be cool, right? If he would have had Facebook, he heals Larry, and it's click, post it, everybody's going, right? But, but how, did the, 
How did the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, hear about Jesus and then walk seven days to get an audience with him? Could it have been the leper that we talked about last week? Remember the leper, right? When, when Jesus healed the leper, where did he tell him to go? What did he tell him to do? He told him to go to the high priest. Anybody want to guess where the high priest was? Jerusalem, right? Jesus said, hey, go to the one who said you were unclean and show him that you're clean. So let's, let's play pretend. Let's imagine that Larry the leper is walking seven days. He gets to the temple. He walks inside of the temple. He sees the high priest. He said, what's up, high priest? I don't know what you called him. I don't know how you addressed him. Um, but he's like, hey, he, the high priest sees him, and the high priest says, Larry, no, 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 no. You can't be in here. You have leprosy. You're unclean. You're going to affect everyone around you. Get out. And Larry's like, yeah, funny story, man. I can come back. Look at me. Look at my skin. I don't got it anymore. I don't have leprosy. And, and, and the high priest says, I got to check it out. Right, Because remember, the high priest had to be the one to declare you unclean. And so the high priest would have seen Larry in his leprosy, declared him unclean, told him he can't come to the temple, told him he can't be a part of the community, told him he can't be a part of the family. Remember all of that. And so now he has to check out to see that he doesn't have leprosy. And by the way, if you saw somebody that had leprosy and then they didn't have leprosy, what's the question you're asking? How? Right? How? Larry! How'd that happen to you? You get a new Estee Lauder product, man? You got some new skincare product? Like, like, what's going on, Larry? How'd this happen to you? It was because he ran into a man named Jesus. Right? Ran into a man named Jesus. The Bible says, remember last week, that, that before Jesus healed him, what, what did Jesus do to him? He, remember, he what? Reached out his hand, and what did he do? He touched him. He touched him. Then he healed him. Then he spoke to him. And, and, and so can you imagine Larry telling the high priest, this, this is crazy. Can you imagine Larry telling the high priest, he touched me. He touched me. Man, he reached out his hand and he, and he touched me. No, 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 Larry. You're, 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 you're nasty. You were gross. Your skin's falling off. Appendages are falling off. Like, like what, what do you mean he touched you? Yeah, he reached out his hand and he touched me. The high priest automatically has a problem with that. You're not supposed to touch lepers. But he has to be wrestling with the tension of, I know you, Larry. I know what you were going through. I've seen every aspect of your life. I've known you since you were a kid. I watched you get leprosy. I saw your skin. I smelled you. You were nasty. He touched you and he healed you? He touched you? There's no way. There's no way. He didn't do it right. Hey, guys, hey, I need to get a group of people together. We need to go check this guy out who's not healing people correctly. And so when we look at this text and we say these leaders came from Jerusalem, they traveled for seven days. And we say, why would they do that? The only logical explanation is because of Larry the leper telling them, I got healed. He touched me. And I got healed, and I'm changed. Everything in my life is going great. Look at me, I'm healed. And they're like, we gotta go check this guy out. Now, the question that we've gotta ask ourselves as we look at this text, we put this kinda in front of us, 
And, and we say when, when miracles are happening or when God is moving and, and things are, are going on around us, when we talk about Jesus, when we hear about what Jesus is doing and we talk about changed lives, when we go to church, are we there for evaluation or participation? When we come to church, are we here for evaluation or participation? Because people that show up for evaluation they miss the miracle. People that show up for participation saying, hey, you know what, God? I, I, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know everything about you. But if you're doing something today, if you're changing lives today, I want in on that. Those are the people that walk away with a blessing. The people that show up for evaluation, don't miss this. The people that show up for evaluation always miss the miracle. The evaluation happens all the time. In churches today, Happen all throughout the Bible. Well, let me show you this. One of, my, one of my favorite stories in the Bible happens in John chapter 11. It's where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. I was going to use that story um, in this series because there's no greater example of somebody getting called out than Jesus calling out Lazarus from the grave, right? Hey, come out, right? He, he, he's been dead. That to me is phenomenal. Which, by the way, if you saw somebody raised from the dead, right, he, he'd been dead for four days, not four hours, not four minutes. He's been dead for four days. If you show up, somebody's been dead for four days, and somebody brings them back to life, how many of you think you'd be a little bit excited about that? Any hands? You'd be a little bit excited. That move you a little bit. You'd tell people about it. You'd be, you'd be pretty excited, right? You'd be like, oh, my gosh. You'd be telling everybody. Like, are you going to be upset about that? Anyone going to be upset about somebody coming back from the dead after four days? Anybody? None of us. None of us. That's going to be exciting. But Jesus raised him from the dead, calls him out. Lazarus comes back to the dead. And the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the chief priests, and the religious leaders are ticked off at Jesus. Like they're really mad that this dude brought somebody back from the dead. And so the Bible says that Jesus and Lazarus are hanging out later on one day. And I want to read you the story because I want you to see what happens when people show up with a mindset of evaluation rather than participation. Look at this, um, chapter 12, verse nine. The Bible says, meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, who he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. They're already, they're already talking about how they're gonna kill Jesus, but then look at this, they made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Isn't that crazy? The chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. And you know, we've said this before, religious people always seek to kill a miracle. C can you imagine this? Can you imagine, like, they raise him from the dead. Hey, hey, come over here, man. There's a party happening over here. Jesus and Lazarus are here. And Jesus can do all of these miracles. And Jesus is doing all of this stuff. And Jesus is great. And by the way, the dude we've been talking about that he raised from the dead, he's there too. We can go see Jesus and we can see Lazarus. And, 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 and somebody says, yeah, he brought him back from the dead. But we're going to kill him. We're going to kill him. Oh, by the way, you think this bothered Lazarus? Seriously, Lazarus, I was just over there, the chief priest, the teachers of the law, the religious leader, they said they're going to kill you. He's probably like, you know what? Let's do it. I would have been dead once, four days, man, let's go. Pretty awesome. Like, how do you kill a guy that's already been dead? Like, I, don't, I don't know. These guys are evaluating. 
And because they're evaluating, they can't see what God has been doing. They can't see the miracle. They're not even going to listen to the entire story of what Lazarus is telling them, probably what he's going through. They're evaluating. It happens every Sunday. Churches all around the world where you miss out on what God is doing because you're not participating. You're evaluating. Look at this. Let's go back to Luke. Verse 18 says this. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Now, when, when I read that text, it reminded me just for a second about my dad. My dad can fix anything. It's like, like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Remember that movie? My dad's got an awesome set of tools. He can fix it. You guys, you guys remember that? Anybody there? Just, uh, just me? That, that's my dad, man. He can fix anything. If your car's broke down, he can fix it. Something broke down in your house, he, he can fix it. That's what thinks about living all the way out here because something breaks down, man. My, my dad ain't around to, to fix it. Because me, I can't change a light bulb without burning down the house. Like, like seriously, he can fix anything. I can't. If my truck breaks down, you, you know what I do? Because I'm a man, right? So if my truck bro- breaks down, you know what I, I, I pull over? I pull the little hood thing, get out of the truck, open up the hood, look at the engine, just shake my head and say, that's bad. That's bad. That's all I know how to do. I don't even really know if the engine's in there or not. I don't. I can't fix anything. Like, my dad can fix everything. And I, and I started thinking about that, that metaphor when it comes to my heavenly father. Do you know God really can fix anything? See, when I try to fix something or I try to fix someone, a lot of times I wind up screwing it up even more. It's, that's just true. But, but God, you know what I'm talking about? God, God, can, God can fix anything. And so one of the things that stands out to me in this text in particular is that this guy had some friends. I like to call them fixers. A lot of people say it was four friends. We don't really know it was four friends. The Bible doesn't really say that. Um, but in this text, we, we've got some, some guys are hanging out with a paralyzed man. Think about this. They're hanging out with a paralyzed man. That's a problem. If you had a physical problem in that time period, people thought you had a spiritual problem. And so this guy is paralyzed. These guys are hanging out with a paralyzed guy. This guy, because he was paralyzed, he was unclean. And because he was unclean, because of his physical condition, He was like the leper. He couldn't go to the temple. He couldn't go to the temple. He couldn't be prayed for. And if he couldn't be prayed for, he couldn't have his sins forgiven. How jacked up is that? This guy was so out of luck when it came to the religious system. Think about that. They said there's a spiritual problem with you because there's a physical problem with you, but we can't touch you. The religious people, the teachers of the law, the Pharisees, the morally upright people, the, the, the chief priests, hey, man, we don't have nothing to do with you because you're not perfect. And because of that, hey, we're not going to mess with you. We can't touch you. We can't pray. You're not worth our time. H- have you ever realized that the people in your life that try to fix you, fix you, you know what I'm talking about? You try to fix you. If you don't eventually do what they want you to do, they'll hurt you every time. Think about that. People who try to fix you, if you don't do what they want you to do, eventually they will hurt you. Aren't you thankful that you've got some friends that will walk with you no matter how crappy your life becomes? That's what we all need. We all need friends who will walk with us no matter what. That's what these guys in this story are doing. They're like, hey, we can't fix him. 
but we could go on this journey with him and take him to Jesus, and then we'll just trust Jesus to do the rest. That's what we see happening in this story. These guys are limited in what they could do, but they were motivated by how much they love him. And it's crazy. Like, think about this. They didn't lecture him. They didn't lecture him on the way. How could you let this happen? How dare you get paralyzed? You idiot. Let me give you a couple verses on how to be unparalyzed. They didn't do that. They were motivated by love. And and, and Jesus, by the way, said that the world would be able to tell that we belong to him, not by the way we lecture each other, but by the way we love each other. And so I love in this text where they bring him to Jesus. In verse 19, it says this, when they could not find a way to do this, when they could not find a way to lay him at the feet of Jesus, when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, because of all the people, which, which by the way, it's a good thing I wasn't one of his friends. Because if I show up and there's a crowd, like if I show up at a restaurant and there's a wait, I'm leaving. So I just left him, right? They didn't do that. They, they weren't like that. There's all these people. There's this obstacle. There's this crowd. And they didn't say, well, sucks to be you, man. I got stuff I got to do. I got you this far. Maybe you can just snake your way through the legs of people and get in front of them. Go, go try that and see what happens. They didn't do that. These guys are so determined. They're so focused. They're so intense. That, that look what they do. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, because there was an obstacle in front of them, they could not find a way to do this. They went up on the roof, and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now think about this for a second. These guys are so focused and so dedicated that when they faced an obstacle, they didn't walk away. They didn't give up. And as I was looking at this text, I was reminded of something I heard a long time ago. The bigger the obstacle, the bigger the miracle that can eventually take place. When you're looking at an obstacle in your life, no matter what it is, no matter what is happening in your life, no matter what bad thing is in front of you, no matter what the world is throwing at you, no matter the the crap that you're going through, it's nothing more than an opportunity for God to do something immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. The bigger the obstacle, the greater the miracle. These guys, these guys are like, no, 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 we can't leave him. We can't, we can't give up. So they tore off the roof. They tore off the roof. They took him up on top of the roof, and they made a hole so they could lower him down. That's crazy. And look at this, verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, a couple things about this verse just scream out to me. How? How did Jesus see their faith? How did Jesus, like, like 2,000 years ago, they didn't have Christian t-shirts. They didn't have cross tattoos. They didn't have necklaces that declared that they were a Christian. How did he know? How, how, did, how did Jesus see their faith? You know how I believe Jesus saw their faith? When they lowered him down, they let go of the ropes. They lowered him down. They let go of the ropes. They said, you know what, Jesus? We got him this far. This situation, this person, this problem, it's now in your hands. Studying this this week, this is a reminder to me that so many times, so often, I think I can control something. I want to grab onto the rope, and and I want to control the situation, and and, and I won't let go. Because I want to do it my way. Or, Or because of fear, I can't let go. 
in those times, that's when we need to let go of the rope and say, God, I've brought this thing as far as I can. From this point forward, I'm going to trust you. Because see, something crazy happens when, when he sees their faith. I started thinking about this, and, and this, I've been wrestling with this question since Wednesday. Does he see my faith? Does he see yours? When you're going through stuff, whether, whether you're, you're helping someone or whether you're going through it yourself, does he see your faith? Does he see it? J- just a question. I've been going through that here. I'm not going to keep preaching on that because that's going to mess with me. But does he see it? Imagine. They let go of the ropes. He looks at the guys. And he says, hey, because of your faith, your sins are forgiven. Your sins. The paralyzed guy. Your sins are forgiven. That's kind of messed up. Because think about this. Let me, let me set it up like this. Every one of us in here has experienced disappointment in life, Right? Every one of us has gone through something and we've faced extreme disappointment, yes or no? Yes. Some of you Chiefs fans are going to be, extre- no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. Don't point at me, little boy. <laughs> we've all experienced this. But quick example. All right, Monday, 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 Monday. Focus, Ryan, on the message. Monday, I was hungry, hungry, hungry. I'm always hungry. I am. Like every minute of every day, I am hungry. I'm hungry right now. I am. And so I told you guys last week, I talked about Borden Arrows, and, and I talked about how awesome Borden Arrows is, and I told you that if you shop anywhere else, you're not a lover of Jesus, like Borden Arrows Meat Market is a place you got to be, their food is awesome, it's incredible. What's well, closed on Mondays? And so I had to find a place to eat. And so I left out of here, I'm driving into town hangry, like I just, Borden Arrows is closed, I don't know what else I'm going to eat. And so I get into town, I saw Arby's, and for some reason, it was like, that sounds good. So I pull into Arby's. As I'm pulling into Arby's, I can taste it. You know what I'm talking about? Like I just, I can just taste roast beef sandwich. I don't go there a lot, but I'm just like, ooh, this is going to be really good. My mouth is salivating. I'm like, okay, Arby's. This, uh, this is a true story, true story. I pull into the drive-thru. The lady comes on, and this is what she says. Welcome to Arby's. Before you order, or before you order, I need to let you know we're out of roast beef. I laughed. I did. I'm like, you're freaking Arby's. Your slogan is we have the meats, right? I mean, that's it. How can you be out of roast beef? And she's like, well, we had this rush, and we had, and she's like explaining. I'm just driving away. I think I peeled out a little bit. Uh, on my way out. I, 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 I was so, it wasn't even something I really wanted, but, but once I thought about it, once I had it here in my mind, and, and once I was focused on it, man, I wanted it. I, I was lusting after it. I needed it. We've all done that, right? We've all experienced disappointment. Think about these guys, though. Think about how disappointed we are in the here and now. Think about how disappointed we are when when we want something and we don't get it. Think about this. Why did these guys bring their friend to Jesus? They wanted him to be what? Healed, right? They wanted him healed. And, And so they lower him down in front of Jesus. Jesus sees their faith. He looks at the guy and says, your sins are forgiven. That's not why they brought him. They probably looked at each other and said, hey, we could have got that done at the temple. 
No, you couldn't have. He can't go into the temple. He's unclean. Shut up, Bob. I'm trying to make a point. You're right. They're probably arguing back and forth. They, they didn't bring this guy to Jesus to get his sins forgiven. They brought him to Jesus because they wanted him to get healed. But, but don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. God always is up to more than what we're asking him to do. So when we're asking God for something, God is actually wanting to do more in our lives. When we have a prayer request, when we're laying something down and before God, God says, I actually want to do something more than what you're asking. Sit back and watch me move you from ordinary to extraordinary. Jesus is, Jesus is amazing and how he works and how he moves in our lives and he's up to something in this text. And, and here's the thing. He doesn't do what they wanted him to do right away. And there's a reason to it. Check this out. The next verse. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking. Say thinking. Thinking. Not saying. Not writing. Not, not whispering under my breath. Right? Thinking. Thinking to themselves. Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? I want to pause real quick. When they accused Jesus of blasphemy in the Old Testament, if you committed blasphemy, anybody know what's supposed to be ha- happen to you? Anybody know what's supposed to happen? You're supposed to be killed, right? Killed. So right here, the very first interaction they have with Jesus, they're already thinking, how can we kill this guy? How can we kill him? Because they're there for evaluation, not participation. See that? So they're like, who is this guy? Who is this guy that speaks blasphemy? That's a great question, right? Then they ask this, who can forgive sins? but God alone. And in other words, they're asking the question, who does he think he is, God? I mean, does this guy think he's God? Who does he think he is? And the next verse, verse 22, the, the, to, to me, this is, this is one of the scariest verses in the Bible, and I'll show you why in a second. Jesus knew what they were thinking. Jesus knew what they were thinking. Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Now, we've talked this entire series about getting called out. We've talked about what it's like to get called out in class in front of the teacher. We know what it's like to be driving down the road and the cop turns on his blue lights and calls you out to pull over. We've, we've been called out for what we've said. We've been called out for what we did. But probably none of us have ever been called out publicly for what we were thinking, right? Let, let, let me ask you this question. How screwed would you be if people could read your thoughts for the next 24 hours? The next 24 hours is everywhere you go. Thought bubbles just popped up in your head, man, displayed to the whole world. I wouldn't leave my house. I wouldn't answer the phone. I'd sit in the closet and rock back and forth like a baby for the next 24 hours. I don't want anybody reading my thoughts. Our mind is supposed to be a sanctuary, right? I understand for some people it's a playground. For others of us, it's an asylum. But you know what I'm talking about? Like our mind is supposed to be a safe place. It's supposed to be a sanctuary. I'm thinking that that these guys are sitting there and they're thinking to themselves what that had to have been like when Jesus all of a sudden calls them out and Jesus asks them, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, I love this question, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? Which, when you look at that, <laughs> neither. Like neither one of those is easy, dude. Verse 24, this is huge. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he's sitting there saying, hey, I know what you guys are thinking. I know what you're thinking. Who does he think he is, God? (laughs) Let me show you. 
Then he says this. So he says to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Don't, don't miss this. The friends, the guys that brought their friends to be, to, to be healed by Jesus, they wanted one thing. But Jesus used that situation to reveal to everybody who he really was. They thought he was a great teacher. They thought he was a healer. They thought he was a miracle worker. And Jesus says, hey, I'm all of those things, but I'm actually a little bit more. In fact, I am God. One of the things I've noticed is God most often reveals himself in situations where I'm asking him to do one thing, and he does something totally different. And and what he did is greater than what I wanted. And in the process, he reveals and he reminds me of who he is, which is actually a greater blessing than had he given me what I asked him in the first place. Jesus was revealing to the entire world through this situation, I am God. I am God. By the way, this whole thing started out with, with who? Who did he take on the journey? Peter, right? Or Peter. Peter says, yeah, I'm available. Because you say so, I will. I want to follow you. Hey, man, how, how, how am I going to be a fisher of men? How, how are we going to change the world? This is the first time. Like, he, he'd watched the fish miracle, right? He, he watched him heal the leper. But this is the first time Peter's seen this guy. He knows he can work miracles. He knows there's, there's, something, there's something great about him. There's something godly about him. There's, there's something different. But this is the first time in front of Peter that he declares, I am God. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? No, that's awesome. Watch this. After Jesus calls out the paralyzed guy, verse 25, immediately. How soon? Immediately. Not like, hey, let me think about this. Let me ask my mom. Let me ask my dad. Let me ask my spouse. Let me go talk to my friends. I'm not really quite sure. Immediately, he stood up in front of them. Immediately, he stood up in front of them. That's the only way the guy got healed is he immediately took Jesus at his word. If we don't take Jesus at his word, we will lay paralyzed for the rest of our lives. I'm telling you, man, we have got to take Jesus at his word. We have got to be a people that when Jesus calls out to us, we say, because you say so, Lord, I will. Yes, I will start. I will stop. I believe in you. I believe. I trust you. I'm letting go of the ropes. He took Jesus at his word. He's laying there. Jesus says, get up and walk. Jesus didn't pick him up. Jesus spoke, and then he stood up. And that's where the miracle takes place. It's not not just in the speaking of the word, but it's us receiving the word and us believing God's promises. That's when we're actually able to step into God's presence and into God's blessings. Jesus speaks to him. Jesus speaks to him. But if he lays there and doesn't take God at his word, does he get healed? Does he? That's why. That's why, church, listen to me. That's why when we're called out by Jesus, we need to, by faith, by faith, by faith, say, you know what? If this is what Jesus said, then this is what I'm going to believe. If this is what Jesus told me to do, then this is what I'm going to do. This guy takes Jesus at his word. It's time we start taking Jesus at his word. Immediately, he stood up in front of them. He took what he had been laying on and went home praising God. Isn't it funny? You don't have to tell people to praise God when they know that they were paralyzed and they came to Jesus and Jesus healed them. Isn't that crazy? It's just, just a thought. This is a thought. We'll talk about that later. Look at this. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things here today. We have seen remarkable 
things here today. Now, set up this last point. I, I, gotta, I gotta say this. I gotta put I gotta put my cards on the table. I'm a skeptic. When you tell me about certain things, man, if I haven't seen it with my own eyes, if I haven't touched it, if I haven't tasted it, like you tell me, like I, I just I, I'm a skeptic. Like 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 Bigfoot. I know a few weeks ago in the message, I talked to you, I told you Bigfoot didn't exist, and people have been telling me, yes, he does, and, and, and you've sent me pictures, and this week, there was like a highway camera or something that supposedly captured Bigfoot, like somewhere like out in Washington. That's not Bigfoot. That's not. Stop sending me stuff. I don't have time for it. I don't believe it. Like, I just don't believe. You know why I don't believe? Because all the pictures of Bigfoot are blurry. Seriously. If Bigfoot was real, why don't we have a clear picture of Bigfoot? It's like UFOs. I don't, I don't believe in UFOs either. I don't. Don't send me your UFO pictures this week. Don't. You are not abducted by an alien. You are not in it. You might be an alien. I don't know. But, you, but if UFOs are real, why don't we have a clear picture? You have iPhone 50s that you swear are the greatest things in the world, the greatest cameras ever invented on these things. If UFOs are real, why do we have blurry pictures of them? Now, I know somebody's going to argue with me and say, aliens are messing with our technology. I'm not buying it. At the end of the day, man, I'm not believing in your UFOs. I'm not believing in Bigfoot. and I'm not believing in Nessie. I'm, I'm just not. I don't believe in any of that stuff. You know what I believe in? The power of God. And you know why? Because I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen him change lives. I've seen him do miracles. I've seen him bring dead things back to life. I've seen him do absolutely amazing things. And, and, and I think stepping into this next season as individuals and a church, I think that, that if we begin to take God at his word and, and do what he's calling us to do, we're going to be the kind of people that the Bible talks about right here. Look at this again. Everyone. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God and were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things here today. That's what I want for our church every weekend because he's changed so many lives and he's going to continue to change lives. But don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this, don't miss this. The miracle would have never happened had the people that brought their friend to Jesus not let go of the ropes. And it never happened had they not let go of the ropes. So you want a miracle in your life? The thing you've been worried about, those things you've been stressed about, the things you've been freaked out about? Let go of the rope. Let go of the rope. I'm not telling you to embrace irresponsibility. I'm, I'm just saying, every time you're tempted to worry about it, just in your mind, imagine yourself. Let go of the ropes. I'm just going to let go. Jesus, I'm going to give this person to you. Jesus, I'm going to give this situation to you. Jesus, I'm going to give this problem to you. I'm tired of staying up all night worrying, God. I'm tired of staying up all night crying. I'm tired of being anxious. Jesus, I'm just going to let go of the ropes. And by the way, you might not have to do that just once. You might have to do that like 817 times a day. But at the end of the day, I believe, I believe if the guys had held on to the ropes, they wouldn't have seen the miracle take place. And so for you right here, right now, what is it or who is it that you just need to let go of the ropes and say, God, I've done all I can. I've done all I can. I'm placing this situation in your hands. What has God called you to let go of? Let's stand up and pray.